Good morning, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Joe Foster. Today we're going to be talking about that insane game one, uh, records, uh, questionable officiating, and we're going to look ahead to game two tonight uh, and look at what the Jackets have to do differently to tie the series. Uh, we're also going to be finishing off with our first ever CBJ mailbag, so that's exciting. Um I mean, the story of Game 1 was obviously the fact that they played a six-hour hockey game. Um, they started at 3pm, and then a game that started at 5.30pm finished before they did, which is bonkers. Um, it's the fifth. It was the fifth longest game in NHL history. Uh, Seth Jones set a record for the most ice time. Uh, he played 65 minutes, uh, which I believe Steve Dangle pointed out that is more time than any of the New York Rangers except for Mika Zibanejad and Jacob Trouba played in the entirety of their series against the Carolina Hurricanes. And then, you know, just a little footnote, Zach Wierenski, who doesn't even get mentioned, he played 61 minutes, which, again, it's it's insane. He's, he's not 100%, and the guy is still out there playing an entire hour of hockey. Um, Corpusano was incredible in that game. I thought, um, he deserved the win, um, even if maybe none of the other jackets did. Um, but he was phenomenal. Uh, 85 saves on 88 shots. Uh, I think he was like five saves short of, uh, the NHL all-time record, uh, as it is, he currently holds the uh, most saves in, a, in the modern era, which was set by Kelly Rudy, who hilariously was uh, on the broadcast team for that game. So that was that was fun. Um, the winning goal was frustrating. Um, I'm going to get into the officiating a little bit later on, so I'm not going to talk about that. But um, Gavrikov getting hit in the face with the puck and effectively getting taken out of the play... Uh, I think probably was the reason we lost that game. Um, Obviously, it's not Gavrikov's fault, and the guy clearly wasn't trying to hit him in the face, Uh, but I think it took him out of the play. Corpusalo lost focus a little bit, Um, because, you know, you never want to see a guy just, like, fold over like that and clutching at his face, and the puck just kind of went in, Um, which was frustrating, but there was a lot of positives in this game, I thought. Um, we scored a power play goal. We scored one whole power play goal on our, like, 15th or 16th attempt this postseason. Um, and we got a goal from Oliver Bjorkstrand, which I said in the last podcast we needed to get more offense from him. He just needed to score anything. Um, and also... We got a goal from... We, oh, well, Texay didn't score. Uh, Dubois ended up tipping it in, but, you know, he got on the score sheet. So, you know, uh, I'm two for two on calling guys out for needing more offen- offense and them um, doing that. Uh, so, you know, you're on the list, Nick Foligno. You are... It is your turn. Um, I would like a goal from you tonight, please, and potentially a goal from Boone Jenner if if we're talking about things that we want. Um, Also, while we're talking about um, things that were done well, uh, 
uh, that game went a lot better than I think I expected it to based on the first kind of five ten minutes or so um it really felt like they were just shutting us down and we were we weren't getting much done um I got outshot something stupid like 88 to 50 something um but you know obviously the five overtimes contributed to that but we also i think we had we'd allowed 40 almost 40 shots by the end of regulation which i don't want club Salo doesn't want tortorella doesn't want the defense don't want um but beyond that it felt very kind of evenly matched um it felt a lot different to the leaf series um, I was talking to my friend about this a little bit, uh, and it feels like the jackets are kind of matching their style to Tampa Bay's, because Tampa Bay plays this, you know, fast, skilled style um, in a way that the Leafs don't quite. Um, I'm not saying that the Leafs are not, you know, a massively skilled team, because they obviously are, but I think one of the reasons that we beat the Leafs and one of the reasons that we beat the Lightning last year is that we played our style and made them come to us. Uh but last night or the night before, um, I thought that we kind of we kept up, um, but I don't know that we can keep up like that all series, especially after playing like three games worth of hockey in one in one afternoon. Um I don't know what tonight's gonna be like. I suspect probably a little sluggish to start with. I will be surprised if Seth Jones can walk. But um, I did like after after the game he he did the post game, and he was like, "Yeah, I feel fine," which bonkers. The guy is a robot. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I was also happy with uh, Pierre Luc Dubois, um, who I believe had a positive faceoff uh, percentage differential for the first time maybe ever. Um, I noticed a lot of faceoff wins, uh, which is always nice. Um, and then, but I didn't notice as many as I thought, which, again, I think is a positive thing, because if there are not very many, then I tend to notice. I'm like, oh, we want a face-off, good job. Uh, but by the end of that game, it kind of seemed a little bit, I was very much 50-50 on whether we would actually win that face-off. Um, Boone Jenner was really good in the face-off dot, I think. Um, Riley Nash had a decent night. Um, Wenberg did okay, but like, he's still not getting as much ice time as I would like him to. Um which worries me in terms of his future on the team uh, because right now I don't know that we have a decent second line center no matter how much John Tortorella wants to make Riley Nash into our second line center um, I think that might be one of the things we either need to figure out what we're doing with Wenberg or we need to go out and find a second line center uh, and I'm not sure where we're gonna where we're gonna get that so um, we managed to stay out of the box for the most part, um, which I was, which I was impressed with. That was, it's always nice, uh, especially against a team like Tampa Bay. Um, I don't know what the power play percentages were like either in the round robin or, um, during the season, but they're terrifying five on five. So it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, a power play unit consisting of, you know, Kucherov and Braden Point and Andre Pallat, and Steven Stamkos when he comes back, and Victor Hedman is terrifying and um, will just basically score goals at will. Um, 
Coming up next, we're going to talk about the officiating in uh, last game, whether it was worse than usual or if it's just confirmation bias from this Jackets fan. Um, but first, let me tell you about rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models of cars, it's basically impossible to go to your average storefront and get the exact parts that you need. Uh, why would you endure the pointless and sometimes intimidating questioning from someone and then have to wait for them to order the part before your car can be fixed when you can simply go on your phone or computer and head straight to rockauto.com? Rockauto.com is a family business and they've been doing this online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets. Uh, if you can imagine it on your car, rockauto.com probably stocks it. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low no matter if you're a professional or a DIYer. So go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Remember you can find Locked On Blue Jackets on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Jackets. You can find me on Twitter at JTheGoalie, all one word. And you can find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts every weekday morning. The officiating in Game 1 was bad. Um, there's not really there's not really a way around that. Um, it, started, it started off with that horrific call on Texier. Um, who got sent to the box when one of the Lightning players hit another Lightning player in the face with his stick. And the refs were like, oh, obviously that was Texier because he was standing right there. And even, you know, video review and whatnot, you know, the penalty stood, whatever. Um, wasn't a great call. Uh, we got a makeup call later on, but that's not, that's not really the point. Um, fast forward to the third period, I believe. Um, Seth Jones takes a holding penalty for attempting to stop breakaway. Uh, I'm not too annoyed about that penalty, um, but we're going to come back to that one later. Um, overtime. Victor Hedman gets sticked in the face by someone. I don't remember who. Uh, it was definitely a jacket this time, though. Uh, missed call. He's furious. I would be too. Um, and then right before the game-winning goal is scored... Um, Cam Atkinson gets a breakaway and essentially what happens is the exact same thing that Seth Jones got called for a few periods earlier except for some reason it doesn't get called this time despite the fact that the ref was looking directly at them it was the same referee that called Seth Jones on the holding penalty earlier in the game um, so I don't know I don't know what his his reasoning was um, because refs don't have to be held accountable for this kind of thing, apparently, because if you question the refs, you get fined, um, as Rod Brindamore found yesterday when he went off about the officiating in that horrendous uh, challenge in the Hurricanes game, um, because I didn't watch it, but I've heard, I saw about it on Twitter afterwards. Uh, basically, what happened was um, there was a hand pass that wasn't called, and then... It was also goalie interference. He had the puck frozen, and they basically just like whacked at his glove until it came free, and then scored. Um, and the ref went over to Rod Brindamore and said, "It's either a hand pass or goaltender interference. Which one do you want to challenge?" And he was like, "What do you mean? Why can't like why do I have to pick?" 
and he was like, just, you have to pick one. And then, so we picked goaltender interference. They ruled that it wasn't goaltender interference. Um, it was, it was a mess. Um, I haven't looked into it. I suspect it was probably the same officials. Um, actually, no, it probably wouldn't have been because they played, they did a six hour game. So maybe it was just the fact that none of the refs in the NHL are any good ever. Um, and it's, it, this is the thing. I don't even think that that's me being a homer by complaining about that missed call on cam. Um, like, Bolts fans were speechless, um, and there was missed calls all over the place. Like, we should have taken a, we should have got a penalty for that hit on Victor Hedman. Um, you know, it was, it's a, it's just frustrating, um, and I was talking to, um, I was talking to my friend about this. Like, I don't mind if the calls are soft, uh, I don't mind if they don't call something that definitely should be called i would like consistency if you're going to call something on one team you have to call it on the other um if you're not going to call something then you can't suddenly arbitrarily decide that you want to call it later on like it's you have to set a benchmark you have to stick to it um it's the same issue i have with like player safety is that it seems to just kind of be arbitrary like oh have like rolling a dice you know have two games uh, you're a repeat offender. Have four, um, despite like severity of the hit or anything like that. Um, Anders Lee is probably going to get a game for trying to kill Nicholas Backstrom, um, which is ne- neither here nor there, really. Yeah, I think he should be suspended. Uh, I think if he was any other player, like for example, noted uh, career ender Tom Wilson, uh, he definitely would have gotten at least one game so um but this is not a capitals podcast this is blue jackets podcast so let's talk about game two which is tonight which is in about six hours at the time of recording this um i'm most worried about corpusalo in this game uh he faced like in a perfect world that's you know 88 shots is what you would face in three games if that. Um, last night, Philip Grobauer only faced 14 in the entire game. Um, Corpusalo is still a fairly young goalie in terms of um, development and play, I think. Um, he That's the longest game he's ever played by far. Uh, and I'm worried that he is not going to be 100% for this game. Um, However, we don't have Elvis at the minute, so our choices are either to play a tired Corpusalo or start Matisse Kivlenix, who is a baby, um, and who will get eaten alive by Tampa, in my opinion. So we just got to, we just have to kind of cross our fingers and hope that Corpy's not dead. Um, same for the defense. Um, I feel like Seth Jones will probably be okay. Um, because the guy's a machine. Um, I'm mostly worried about guys like Zach Wierenski, who was not 100% coming into the game and then played 60 minutes. Um, Ryan Murray as well. Um, I know that that he has um, a degenerative back condition. Um, And so, you know, playing 45 minutes or however many minutes he played in this game is not not going to do anything for that um 
I'd like to think that the trainers by now have figured out like the best recovery uh, methods for things like this. Um, there was a really interesting series of tweets from Aaron Portsline actually where he talked about um, like what they do between periods. So there's a lot of like protein shakes, a lot of bananas, um, you know, stuff with electrolytes, uh, no, very few carbs, you know, things like that. Um, and he noted that um, I made a like a, a sarky tweet about how many blue jackets were just being like stuffed full of IV fluids during uh, intermission. Um, and then Portsline came around and said that no one, a there was no cramping between periods, which is always a plus, um, and no one needed IV fluids uh, for dehydration. So uh, you know maybe. Maybe they're just in better shape than we all think. If I'd had to play that much hockey, they would have had to stretch me off the ice after about four periods. So it's probably a good thing that I am not an NHL goalie. Leading into the the defense situation, um, we need to allow less shots. I've been saying this all over, everywhere, every episode of this podcast. We need to allow less shots. Um, the quality of the shots, I don't think, was particularly good on average. Um, Corpsala made a few really, really good saves. Um, but a lot of them were saves from, like, the hash marks and above, or the boards, or from, like, behind, behind the goal. Um, I haven't actually looked at the shot charts yet, um... But it didn't seem to me like there was any real, like, A++ scoring chances. So, like, allow less shots, but if you're going to allow 80 shots, like, it's probably okay that these are the 80 shots that you're allowing. Um, line consistency is, is another thing that I want to see get better in Game 2. Um, the Lightning kept their lines together basically all game. The Blue Jackets, about half a period in, just went mental and started mixing everything up. Like, I thought I knew the lines, and then suddenly, like, Dubois was out there with the third-line wingers, or Riley Nash was out there with Gus Nyquist, or, you know, the whole thing was up and down. Uh, And it's the same issue that we had against the Leafs in Game 2, I think. Um... Pierre-Luc Dubois barely played because of penalties. So, you know, um, we need to fix that. Obviously, the situation was not exactly the same here because we didn't take a lot of penalties. So it wasn't it, it wasn't even because of the, pen, the penalty kill that the lines all got mixed up. Uh, I think Tortorella was just frustrated that we weren't really scoring or generating much offense. And so he just kind of mixes things together and sees what sticks, uh, which is fine. But... It's not the best um, long-term situation, shall we say. Uh, I'd like to see... Okay, mix the lines up by all means, but I'd like to see, you know, to give them more than a shift before you decide that it's not working. Um, mostly, I think, for this game, we could just kind of keep doing what we're doing. Um, I don't think we need to make any massive changes. Um, I'd swap Gerby out for Bemstra again, but... That's, I mean, Tortorella's not going to play either of them too much, so it doesn't really make a massive difference. Um, Just, like, you know, help your goalie. Protect Corpusalo, especially in this game where he's going to be 
Um, not fragile, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's early goals. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a very high-scoring game on both ends. Because, uh, again, Vasilevsky made, like, 50 saves. He played the exact same amount. Um, so, help your goalie is the motto of this podcast and also the most important thing to do, in my opinion. Um, coming up next, it is mailbag time. I have some serious questions and some not-so-serious questions. So, we'll see how they go. Okay, so we have uh, a few questions. Um, not as many as I would like, but that's fine because it gives me more time to talk about my favorite blue jacket that is not currently playing. Um, I had a question from A. Griffin who wanted to know, what do we do with Josh Anderson? Um, Josh Anderson has been out since December, I believe, um, with a shoulder injury. He rehabbed it, and then I think in February sometime, he they finally decided, okay, we're going we're gonna to do surgery, we're going to shut him down for the season. And obviously we assumed that, you know, that was it. He was done until October, and then quarantine happened, lockdown happened, the season stopped, um, and we got all of our injured guys that we weren't going to get back, back. Um, Josh Anderson is with the team. He is skating uh, with the team. Um I don't know how close he is to coming back. I don't know whether he's taking contact yet. Uh, but, you know, these are all good signs. The longer the Blue Jackets stay in playoffs, the longer they are to get Josh Anderson back in the lineup. Um, I suspect if we get Josh Anderson back, um, Eric Robinson comes out. Uh, I don't know how we're going to mix the lines up. Um, but I suspect Liam Foody might drop to uh, the fourth line and we'll put Josh Anderson higher up. Um, we might put him back with Dubois uh, because they historically have worked well together. Um, mostly, I just hope that when we get him back, he's the big Josh of last season. Uh, this season, he didn't have a great a great season. I think that was partially due to the fact that his shoulder was injured all season and it only got bad enough in December for them to be like, right, no, no you're not playing anymore. Um, I think this series could use Josh Anderson. Uh, teams don't like playing against him. He's a monster on the ice. Uh, and if you put him with, uh, like I said, Dubois and uh, Texier, I think that's going to be a really fun line. Um, because he will just do the Boonjana thing of run around like a wrecking ball and give Dubois and Texier all that time and space to score. So... Um, hopefully that that's soon. Um, we haven't got a timeline, I don't think. He is still on IR. He's not day-to-day, week-to-week, out indefinitely, whatever. They haven't really said one way or the other. So, fingers crossed, soon is when we get Josh, uh, Josh Anderson back because I don't necessarily think that, like, he's a difference maker in terms of we're going to lose this series if we don't have him, but the team is better with him. Someone else asked uh, about the Blue Jackets dealing with rebounds. Um, And this kind of has, there's two parts to this. So uh, there's the goalie rebound control, which is uh, really important. So I noticed uh, a lot for Freddie Anderson, his rebound control wasn't very good. So he would make the first save and then the puck would somehow bounce right to another Blue Jacket. And he would have to make a second save. 
Elvis is better at this than Corpusalo, um, I think just because of his equipment. Um, Corpusalo wears Vaughn pads, I believe, which are not as bouncy as Elvis's bowers. Uh, so if you watch when Elvis makes a pad save, the puck just goes, you know, halfway down the ice really easily. And that's, you know, that's on purpose. That is a specific design that Bauer wants. Um, they want the puck to hit it and then just bounce straight off so it's not sitting 10 feet away uh, ready for a rebound. Um, so I think that's part of it. Uh, part of our rebound control being really good is just basic, like, equipment. Um, but then the other part is, um, like, player rebound control. So the goalie makes the first save, and our defensemen, I think, in, well, in my opinion, our defensemen are really good at gathering that puck up and getting rid of it. Uh, sending it to a corner, sending it to a forward, like, just taking it themselves. Um, Seth Jones like is good at everything but he's particularly good at this in my opinion uh of when he uh our goalie makes a save jones picks up the puck and skates like in a circle behind the net and then either takes it up the ice or makes that one really good pass uh, and that makes all the difference um if your rebound control is not good you're going to allow goals um i haven't looked into the stats of like how many goals are scored on rebounds versus like straight shots um but i imagine it's lots uh it is very rare that you see uh corpsalo allow a rebound goal it's very rare that you see elvis allow a rebound goal and that's due both to the goalies and the defense i think um so that was really interesting to kind of go back and look at um and then our third and final question is from sean who wants to know uh, what are my thoughts on the team's old bug mascot and should they bring it back i assume that sean is talking about my favorite team mascot ever okay no second favorite uh, my favorite team mascot is uh, lightning jack who is the mascot for the manchester storm i recommend you google him he's horrifying i love it um anyway so boomer uh was the original Blue Jackets mascot. I believe that he was designed by a child in some kind of mascot design competition. Uh, Boomer is a cannon. Um, so Boomer is essentially just this, uh, and I apologize for the phrasing of this. Boomer is essentially just like a shaft. Uh, and then he has two cannonballs, I guess, or like legs. Uh, that are right at the bottom of the costume, and he looks um, phallic. Is the politest way that you can you can say that. Um, I am all for bringing Boomer back. Um, I love Boomer. Uh, like Stinger's fine, but I don't necessarily think that he ties in very well to the team, if except for the fact that he is a yellow jacket. And so, you know, obviously he's green because he is a yellow jacket who is also a blue jacket. Uh, so I do like the kind of the, the sense of humor there. But um, yeah, bring Boomer back, put a cannon into the top of the mascot and have him fire t-shirts out of the top of it. Uh, just max, max chaos, max phallic symbolism. I'm about it. Uh, and I think that's all we have time for today. Um... Uh, tomorrow we are going to talk about game two we're going to look ahead to game three uh, and i think we will also talk a little bit more about tampa bay specifically uh, what they're doing well 
in this series uh, because it is many things and hopefully we will have an update on Elvis's injury situation. Once again, you can find me on Twitter at jthegoalie. You can find this podcast on Twitter at lo underscore bluejackets. Uh, if you want to get in touch, uh, tell me how I'm doing. You can email me at lockedonbluejackets at gmail.com. And remember to subscribe and review on the podcast app of your choice. Uh, if you're looking for some insight into the Lightning, uh, go listen to my friend Adam over at Locked on Lightning for his take on Game 1 and his preview of Game 2. And I will see you tomorrow.